0: Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Welcome to episode 23 of the School of Travels podcast, and today you're going to get a solo episode from me and it's been a while so get ready to listen to me and a couple of my friends as we discuss the road trip that we planned and took for ourselves across the country of georgia this past july 2019 and i know i've been teasing about this episode for a few weeks so i'm really excited to let you know what we thought about georgia and how we did it ourselves we did not book any kind of tour company We did all of this ourselves and you can too. Trust me on this. So first I'm gonna start with talking just a little bit about the history of Georgia, and then gonna give you some tips on planning your own road trip, including general tips for being on a road trip. I've taken a few road trips this summer and I have learned a few things, let me tell you. We're also gonna talk about the food in Georgia. You cannot go to Georgia and not learn a lot about the amazing food that they have there. And i'm also going to go over places to see and some of the costs that we incurred on our trip so you get an idea of how much this is going to cost you so first let's talk about the history of georgia now i am by no means a history buff in any sense of the word but especially about georgia so i'm just going to give you a really brief background on where we're coming from when we think about the country of Georgia because I have a feeling a lot of people have never even heard of this country. They probably think it's a state in the U.S. Georgia the country actually was first unified as a kingdom in the early 11th century by a man called King Bagrat III. Uh, And I'm also going to apologize for all Georgian pronunciations right now for the rest of this episode. I did not become an expert in the three weeks I was there. I'm working on it. (laughs) Okay, So actually from the 10th through the 12th centuries, Georgia flourished under King David IV the Builder and a woman called Tamar the Great. And you will hear a lot about Tamar when you visit Georgia. She was one of their most well-respected leaders in history ever and she was a woman. So a fascinating historical character from Georgia. The Mongols invaded Georgia in 1243. By 1490, Georgia was fragmented into many tiny kingdoms. There was a period of both Ottoman and Iranian domination. And finally, in the 19th century, the Russian empire annexed them. Georgia has always wanted its independence throughout this entire time. Actually they briefly had an independent period in from 1918 to 1921 but from 1922 Russia essentially took over again and Georgia was part of the Transcaucasian Socialist Federative Soviet Republic and then was the Georgian Soviet Socialist Republic until the dissolution of the USSR in 1991. Even after getting independence in 1991, however, there has actually been an ongoing issue with two regions in Georgia called Abkhazia and South Ossetia. And the first president of independent Georgia was very um, controlling over these regions and wanted them for Georgia. And there was a bitter civil war in Georgia that actually went all the way to 1995. But supported by Russia, these two breakaway states of Georgia, Abkhazia and South Ossetia, they actually achieved independence from Georgia in 1995. Um, And it's still kind of an ongoing thing. So if you're visiting Georgia, I would advise to not even attempt to go to Abkhazia or South Ossetia. It's quite dangerous on the borders there. You don't know what's going to happen when you try to cross into those regions or what might happen depending on the passport that you have. There's also, from what I understand, quite a lot of poverty in those regions. So apart from trying to tell people you've been there on Instagram or doing it just for the story, it really, there's no reason at the moment for, I think, foreign tourists to go there and get into a conflict between Russia and Georgia because they're still fighting about it. There's still a lot of anger about it. Um, and actually, even in 2008, there was a Russian-Georgian war. And the tensions with Russia continue. Even when we were there in July, I think the week before we got there, Russia announced they were no longer having direct flights to Georgia. And between 70 and 80% of the hotels booked by Russian tourists were canceled the week before we went. So. Kind of was a good time for tourists from other countries to go to Georgia because there were a lot of discounts to be had. But the Georgian tourism industry is continuing to suffer because of this, because historically, since Georgian independence and even before, uh, most of the tourists to Georgia have been Russian. And when you go and you talk to taxi drivers in Tbilisi, the capital of Georgia, they will try to speak Russian with you first and if they realize you don't speak Russian, they will try English, but Russian was the language for so long besides Georgian, which is its own language that the population spoke. So now you'll hear Georgian and also still a lot of Russian, but they're really trying now to cater to outside tourists that are beyond Russia to kind of stabilize the tourism uh, industry in Georgia and expand it and get more influences in. I would say when we were there, almost everyone could speak enough English that we could get transactions completed and get basic things that we were asking for. Uh, The older population tends to speak Russian, but I think that because tourists are starting to come in and they realize that English is very important for business, there is a lot of English being spoken in Georgia, especially with the younger generations. So you will be quite comfortable with English in especially the capital Tbilisi. And then as you start to get out of Tbilisi, which I'm gonna talk about, you will still be able to get by. We found a lot of people, if they couldn't speak English, they were aware because of our bookings online for our hotels that we were English speakers and they would already have somebody helping them communicate in English to get translation for us. So um, just to give you a little background. So that's kind of the history of Georgia, where things stand now, where Georgia has come from. Uh, And I now want to talk to you about planning your own road trip in Georgia or planning a trip all on your own there if you don't want to go through a tourist agency. So I had decided I had a few travel inspirations for coming to Georgia. I would say one of the first was my friend Daniel Simmons, who I actually interviewed on this podcast way back in episode six. So if you want to check that out, he's a really great storyteller. He's been to over 100 countries and Georgia was one of them. And he had told me for years that Georgia was the most underrated country he had been to. It was his favorite underrated country. And I'd seen a few photos from his trip. He had mostly done trekking, which Georgia's really famous for hiking and trekking as well. Um, But he just made the people sound so friendly and It sounded like such an interesting culture that I had the idea to go in the back of my mind. And then about two years ago, I listened to a podcast episode from the travel podcast Extra Pack of Peanuts by Travis and Heather Sherry. And they did an episode called Destination Diary, Georgia. I think they went to Georgia, I want to say about three years ago. And if you Google that phrase, Extra Pack of Peanuts, Destination Diary, Georgia, you will find it. I couldn't find the number of the episode, but I listened to their episode and they, especially Travis, seems to love Georgia so much that he just continues to rave about it and drop all, all the love that he has for it in several episodes. Uh, and he, it seems to be the, his favorite country. So I thought, there's gotta be something to Georgia. And then last year, I put out a few feelers and I asked a few friends like, would you be interested in visiting Georgia and doing a road trip? And over several months, I finally got three other people to agree to do the road trip with me. And we had a fourth friend join us in Tbilisi. So we had a group of five to start in Tbilisi. We all came from different places. We spent about three days together in Tbilisi. And then Four of us went out, went out on the road for 10 days and rented a car on our own from a company called, oh I have it, I have it here, uh, a company called carsforrent.ge. And the four is the number. So cars the number four rent.ge. I wanted to repeat that because they were a fantastic car rental company. When we called them while well, we were all still in Bulgaria, Not only did they say that they could get us an automatic car because uh, especially two of us didn't really drive manual, we're American, it happens, Uh, but we also just wanted to make sure that perhaps with all the hills and some of the difficulty with the roads, I don't know, we wanted to all be able to drive in case the worst something happened. And um, they said, we've got an automatic car for you. And as long as the main driver has insurance, and has his license or her license, the rest of the people can drive no problem. So there was no additional driver fee, even though there were four of us that were potentially gonna be driving. For anyone who's ever rented a car out there, you know that often there's an additional driver fee. So this was fantastic. And all that included all the insurance as well. And it was 450 euro for 10 days. So if you can do the math on that, it was about 12 to $15 a person a day for the rental car. And this is the best part, this is the best part, guys. This company, and by the way, they had over a four point out of five rating online for their company and no car rental agency has something like that high of a rating because renting a car is like a nightmare and a headache sometimes. This company actually delivers the car to your door and they they delivered it to our Airbnb all of us were staying in the same Airbnb, they came to the door, this guy like did the whole normal check with us, he showed us how everything worked, he marked the spots on the car that were already there, gave us the keys and said have a great trip. They did the same thing when we came back, they picked up the car from our Airbnb, which was a different Airbnb. So. We couldn't believe how convenient this was. And we thought, why can't all car rental agencies deliver to your door? It was amazing. So carsforrent.ge, love you guys. I think I should add here that we rented a 4x4 and it is an absolute necessity. We did run into a few people that had sedans and we were completely shocked. And we thought, what was your experience like for these last several days? Must have been rough. You will definitely need to get a 4x4 and be prepared for the drivers in Georgia. The taxi drivers in Tbilisi, I will say, are crazy. They will drive and swerve past people, cut people off. You will have to learn how to adjust to the way they drive. And the same goes for the roads outside of Tbilisi, except you won't have a taxi driver anymore. It will be you if you choose to take the trip in Georgia like we did. So basically, there's a lot of two lane roads where you've got to decide when it's best to pass the semi that's in front of you, slowing everyone down or the tractor or whatever is in front of you. Also, a lot of cows. If you're going to travel through Georgia like this, you have to be constantly alert on the road and you have to, in a sense, turn off the fear button and just get used to people heading right for you and then swerving off to get into their lane and you having to do the same and pass people a lot when you're not quite sure who's coming on the other side. There are plenty of companies that are very happy and willing to drive you all around the country and you just sit back and relax in the back. This is just if you're looking for more of a self-guided adventure where you're happy to take on the risk. It is an option for you, but it is unnerving sometimes. I would say that the The website that I mentioned earlier that had the self-guided itinerary, they do mention what roads are off-road on those certain days and what aren't. But sometimes we didn't know because we changed from that itinerary ourselves and um, there were a few times, one day we were on a road where it was being cleared, and they were logging on that road, and there was a bunch of trees and brush just covering the road. And we were actually waiting for the guys from the logging industry to clear it for us as we waited. Another time, we were on a we were off road for a good two hours, two and a half hours. There was no one around, no other cars, and then we came upon some kind of border patrol or some patrol station. And we had to stop our car and we all had to hand over our passports and prayed that we got them back. The o- officials had our passports for, I would say, five minutes and they came back. And it was, it was kind of like a checkpoint. We, all, we aren't even really sure what it was, but we did, you know, say we want those passports back as soon as possible. And it, we took a risk by handing them over, but we had to at one stage. Uh, but that was the only thing that happened at that checkpoint. Another time, we went to a place called Okatse Canyon. This is not far from Kutaisi. And I will say, if you go to Okatse Canyon, you have to buy your ticket at the ticket office. And in the parking lot of the ticket office, there are a lot of guys with vans and Jeeps asking if you want to ride to the canyon. And, you know, we'd driven the whole time by ourselves. We said, it's okay, we've got it. We've got a 4x4. And our four by four was actually quite a bit smaller than these vans and Jeeps we were seeing. And it turns out for good reason. That was the dodgiest stretch of road we did. The whole trip was the, let's say three kilometers down into the bottom of this Canyon where you like you go across a bridge and start going along the Canyon. It's beautiful. It's really interesting. But that drive was the scariest because there were so many large rocks Lots of juts in the road and turns. And we ended up having this weird problem with our car where when we would, when the bottom of our car would skid across these rocks, the horn would start going. So every time we heard the horn, we knew that things were getting really rough under our car. And actually, we don't know what the bottom of the car looked like when we turned it in, but that was the hardest stretch of road. So, Akatsu Canyon, take the ride from someone else, let them handle it. Um, Balka did a wonderful job that day. Uh, shout out to Balka. And uh, also shout out to Kamidi for doing a great job driving from time to time as well. But yeah, there are moments where it's unnerving and you just have to, you have to figure out how to stay calm and get through it. As I said, we had no issues, we had no crashes, we had no problems, but we did have times where we had to back up for a long time backwards because we'd gone up a road that was too narrow. That happened in Ushguli, which is a very small town with very small roads. So be careful there as well. But Ocote Canyon, just don't even try. Uh, it's it's just, it's too risky. Uh, we were very lucky that we were able to get our car back up that hill after going down it. So I just wanted to mention about the roads before we keep going on our journey. Because, uh, you know, you should know what these conditions are like. The summer is definitely the better time to go as well. I can't imagine a lot of this driving in the winter. I think the road to Omalo um, is even closed after September, even mid-September, please check on that before you plan to do an Omalo drive on your own, which I don't even recommend. I I think you should get a driver for Omalo, but that's what I'd like to say regarding the roads. To continue with our story, that's one thing is check around for those kind of benefits, like are there automatic transition or transmissions? is the um are all the drivers covered do they deliver to your door these kind of things so once we got that price we knew that if as long as we were comfortable with driving we would be able to do this another thing that gave us confidence with planning for our own road trip across georgia was um an itinerary that we found online and i want to give a shout out to my friend anton who had done this the year before with a company he self-drove based on uh, an itinerary that a company had given him. So I think he paid the company to get the car and kind of went through them, but there was no tour guide. He was doing it. So that website, which I will put on the website, theschooloftravels.com as well for this episode, that was visitgeorgia.ge backslash tour, backslash jeep-tour-2. <laughs> I'll put that on the website, but visitgeorgia.ge backslash tour You can probably find it. And we looked at this itinerary he had done for 10 days and we kind of thought we can kind of, we can go with that. We can change it around for how we want. And then we felt confident. We're like, okay, we know what to do. Google Maps is a thing. Um, We've got the car. We've got the confidence. Another thing I learned for road trips. Okay. This is key guys. You know, when you run a car, very rarely, if, at all will you ever get one of those little mounts for your phone that like with the suction cups that connects to your wind windshield inside so that you can like hook your phone up to the you know it's what taxi drivers have but when you rent a car you don't have one um i would get this on amazon and always carry it with you whenever you travel and you think you might rent a car because it will save the driver so much headache with like asking the passenger uh, the the person on the passenger on the passenger side to help them navigate because especially in georgia we had a lot of windy roads and our driver balka who did the majority of the driving he really loved that he could see in real time when the curve was coming and even if his um, girlfriend camille who was in the passenger side uh, most of the time even if like she could tell him like you need to turn left up there being able to see the curve is so helpful. So I really think guys get one of those suction things, bring it on every road trip. Balka had packed one because he's a genius and he's, I think, an experienced road tripper. And that made our, our experience so much easier. And also, um, Balka has Google, all the Google, um, connections that you could have set up on your phone. He used Google's, um, voice activation to help him. So if he would be driving and Camille would find a place for us to go to lunch, he would just talk to Google with his voice and say, okay, Google, navigate us to or um, give me directions to this place. And then it would just automatically happen. Nobody had to pull the phone up while he's trying to concentrate and type in the address. It just happened by voice. And I think people don't use that function enough. And it's really helpful. Another thing we did was we built Spotify playlists. So if you have Spotify, uh, one morning, Belka asked all of us to put songs in that we wanted to hear. And then we just random shuffled. You couldn't have asked for a more random group of songs, I have to say. It was kind of fun guessing who had put the song in. But that is a great way to go on a road trip. Also, we listen to a lot of podcasts. So if you have favorite podcasts, such as The School of Travels, uh, download them all in advance and you can listen to them on the road. And it's so much fun if you get tired of those songs that are now repeating themselves over and over. Um, yeah, it's something, a great thing to do. Also, Balka had um, his own coffee making things. And I will say a lot of the hotels we stayed in in Georgia, there were not great, there was not great coffee available on the, you know, at the hotel on site. So he would often use like, I, for, I now travel with a V60 filter. He would use his coffee stuff, his nice coffee that he was carrying with him and make much better coffee. So if you're a coffee fan, that's another thing to always bring with you on a road trip. And thank you, Balka for making such great coffee for us every morning. <laughs> it was a lifesaver. So those are my general tips for going on a road trip by yourself, like any anywhere you go, but especially in Georgia, like look for an itinerary. Someone's already done. Um, Check the prices for car rental agencies or just use the one I've mentioned and um, yeah, prepare to go. We stopped at a supermarket in Tbilisi and just loaded up on a bunch of snacks at the beginning. Um, We were actually told by a very helpful guy that Camille and I met on the airplane, who was in our row. He gave us a lot of tips, which I will also be passing on to you. But one of the things he told us is that if you want fresh fruit and vegetables, you're not going to find much outside of Tbilisi. So load up the first day at a supermarket, get all the fruits and veggies you can find that you want, and like take those along with you. And that was true. We didn't see a lot of Big fruit stalls or big, especially veggies, didn't see much once we left. We we kind of kept having the same general meals for lunch and dinner on the road, um, and that certainly did not involve fruit. So, yeah, that's another big tip I would give you. Okay, so as for, I guess I could tell you a little bit about Tbilisi itself before we get onto the road. So Tbilisi is the capital of Georgia, and there are currently about one point five million inhabitants of the city it was built along the kuda river also in tbilisi this is something i should mention it has nothing to do with the wonderful qualities of the city itself but they do seem to be going through water problems and i don't know the full specifics of it i think there are certain regions of the city that sometimes have the water turned off because there's not enough capacity or things are being construction is going on i don't really know But I will say, when uh, Camille and I were waiting for three of our friends to arrive from the airport, suddenly the water stopped working in our Airbnb, and we found out from our host that it wouldn't be coming back on until nine in the morning. The other three friends, we told them, please get some bottled water on your way from the airport because. A lot of the flights, in fact, most of the flights in Georgia arrive and depart around three in the morning. So it's three in the morning, they're arriving and there will be no water. They they can't take showers. They can't brush their teeth without using bottled water. So luckily they did bring us water, but two or three other times during my two weeks in Tbilisi, the water would stop working. I made a dental appointment one day and I couldn't go to the dentist because she said the water wasn't working. Another evening in my, a different Airbnb, different part of town, the water stopped working. And so the best thing to do when you go to any hotel, any Airbnb in Tbilisi is to buy a very large bottle of water, which they do sell larger than normal because they have this problem and keep two or three of them in the apartment or fill up when the water is working. That way, when it stops working, you can drink, you can brush your teeth. You can drink from the tap. It's just for some reason, the water tends to get turned off quite frequently. So prepare for that when you're in Tbilisi. The currency in Georgia is called the lari, and the lari it's three lari to one US dollar. I am gonna stick with US dollars. I apologize to my non-American listeners, but um, that's gonna help me because it's so like just three to the dollar. Um, and it's actually very cheap in Tbilisi to use. They don't have Uber but they have um, two equivalents. Uh, The the number one I would recommend is Yandex Taxi. So download that app Yandex Taxi. And also Bolt was another good one, Um, but Bolt, Bolt apparently can be cheaper, but I just didn't end up using it, but it is out there. I did see a lot of Bolt cars as well. So if you can download that, get your SIM card at the airport when you land. And I used MAGTI, by the way, M-A-G-T-I, as my SIM provider for the road trip and for the whole time I was in Georgia. And I was told by the guy on the plane that that has better coverage across the country. There are other SIM providers, but MAGTI, def- it did it did work quite well for most of the journey, especially in the far Western regions in Svaneti that we reached towards the later part of our trip. So um Yes, definitely download Yandex Taxi. Use Uber to get around uh, as much as you want in Tbilisi. And I'll just um, give you a few restaurant recommendations for the city. So Shabby Lomi, this will all be on the website, by the way. Shavi Lomi was a great, uh, amazingly decorated restaurant with lots of traditional and slightly fusion uh, fusion plates of food for the Georgian food. I will be talking about the food soon. Another restaurant is called In the Shadow of Meteki. Beautiful view, especially at night. Um, I recommend going there for dinner. There's another place that I never went to, but was highly recommended by a guy who's been living there for several years, and it is called Siskvili Ethno Hall. They do Georgian dancing and music at night, I think from 7.30 p.m. So that's another thing that I recommend to go see and also make sure you get a reservation if you're going to go to that place. Uh, there's a, a, a former factory called Fabrica that they've converted into a co-working space and a lot of independent retailers. There's a big hostel which has free Wi-Fi. You can just go into the lobby and get a coffee or uh, work on your laptop. So Fabrica is a great place to visit in Tbilisi. Also, they have food delivery apps, um, Glovo and Wolt, W-O-L-T, are two that I would recommend there. One thing I loved about Tbilisi was it It looked like a city I'd never seen before. It was such a mix of Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. And the the architecture in Tbilisi is just really wild. It's really different types of buildings right next to each other. And they even have like, uh, the reason Tbilisi was founded where it is, is because of the, this, these hot springs that they have there. Tbilisi actually means hot place in Georgian, and there are public baths you can still go to. They're actually a big tourist attraction. We went as a group of five one day to a place called the Colorful Bath, or it's the building that's quite modern in the public bath area that looks like a mosque and we went the day before we reserved a private room for the five of us and went the following day i think we each spent about i want to say like six dollars each or something um uh, two guys got uh like a kind of scrub massage more of a more of a bath scrub uh while we were there and that they paid about i want to say like seven dollars each additional to that But it's great. Like you go in, there's a couch, there's a hot bath. You all can share. There's like showers to cool down. It was very hot water. I will say very hot water. But it is such a Georgian tradition to go to a hot spring, especially in Tbilisi. So don't miss that when you're in the capital either. So that's kind of all I want to say about the about Tbilisi. Oh, sorry. Two other recommendations I missed. The Cafe Strada is a really nice uh, cafe slash restaurant just cool uh, architecture. There's so many nice cafes in Tbilisi, but some of them just outdo themselves or they're, they're fantastic. And another place is called The Cone Culture. This is a fabulous ice cream place. I love ice cream when I travel and this place just blew me away with the flavors they had and very cute murals painted on the walls by the ice cream shop. So don't miss that when you're in Tbilisi. So then after, we had to say goodbye to our fifth friend uh, who decided to stay on in Tbilisi. We had, there were four of us, um, Balka, Camille, who are a couple, and then Casey and I, my, another American friend of mine, we both sat in the back. And I will say, Casey and I don't have as much experience driving in other, like, I would say using manual cars driving in like on narrow roads we both lived in new york and tokyo for so many years that i think we're not as comfortable driving as Balka and Kami. so we were happy to let them sit in the front the whole time and we sat in the back and uh, we just kind of all kept our spots throughout this trip but i have to say if you go on a on a road trip in georgia Bring four people because the way we were able to split the cost of lunches and dinners and also just all stay in the same room together every night, it was so cheap. We I looked back at our uh, expenses that we had put into Splitwise. By the way, if you don't have the Splitwise app, download it today. It is the best way for larger groups of people to travel together and keep the expenses straight. And also you can look back months later at what you spent at where, which is what I just did. And our average lunch costs, because we all just ordered a bunch of dishes and split the cost between the four of us, our average costs were about $4 a person for lunch and $5 a person for dinner. And this is out like, you're getting out into the countryside. Some of the places were really rural or remote but all of it was good we didn't have i would say we had maybe one mediocre meal most of it was fabulous especially for the price so but if we'd all ordered our own dishes and wanted to keep things separate it probably would have been at least twice the cost so when you're on a road trip in georgia order the food order like six seven dishes and split them all between yourselves and then just split the bill it is so cheap By the way, the hotel costs each um, for those nine nights. It was between thirty dollars a night to sixty dollars a night. So if you're doing the math, there seven dollars and fifty cents a night per person up to fifteen per person. With these are places with you know hot showers, like fine. Some of them were quite basic. As you got out into the countryside, where it was like the roads were hard to access, things like that. But Georgia was very cheap, very affordable. Also, I had a look at the gas prices for the whole trip. We each paid $45 each for the gas for the entire 10 days. Just to give you an idea, um, I found Balca had stopped to fill up on gas six times in those 10 days. And yeah, that was our total cost for gas. So, okay, I'm just gonna give you now a brief rundown of our road trip and where we went. So this is kind of covering places to see as you go. This is probably quite a typical overview of Georgia for people who are not going east to Omalo. So I'm gonna mention Omalo briefly here at the beginning. Omalo is at the top of this mountain, one of the many mountainous regions in Georgia, but it is known for having the wildest, craziest, most treacherous, narrow road that you have to drive up in all of Georgia. And it probably will take you a minimum of six hours with a skilled Georgian driver to, and probably some wine as you go to um, get you to the top. So because we only had 10 days and we didn't want to go six hours up a mountain and spend one night there and then have to treacherously come back down, we thought, let's save that for a different trip to Georgia. So I won't be able to give you any information on Omalo in this podcast episode, but I definitely want to go back. I've heard fabulous things. It's great trekking up there. You can do multi-day treks like over eight days, 10 days, as long as you want. But we didn't get to go to that region. It did allow us to go to many other parts of Georgia, but that almost requires, I think, a separate trip um, or an extra week of time, I think. And we definitely would not have driven ourselves up that mountain. Then we would have hired a Georgian driver, and I would recommend that you guys do the same for that. So what we decided to do was, we took the first day of our trip and went east to the wine region called Signagi. So there are a a few towns in this region but it's really wine country. We, you know, Georgia is very famous for its wine. In fact, the winemaking tradition in Georgia goes back 8,000 years. And it's kind of known as one of the oldest wine cultures in the world. So we definitely wanted to have a little taste of that and, and see what that was like. And we stayed in a, a hotel we found ourselves, um, I think $15 a night per person. Uh, in Signagi, but you can stay in really nice places that are like just off the vineyard or you can stay right next to a place that makes its own wine and spend a lot more time there. We just did one night, but we were able to go to a couple of the local places, have some different types of local wine. So Georgia actually, like traditionally they have made wine. It's called Cofavri. I'm probably saying that wrong. Q-V-E-V-R-I, spelled in English. English spelling, um, it's kind. Of, it's a terracotta container that's buried underground to store the grape and ferment the grape juice after it's pressed and stored. So like you keep the kfevri for as long as is necessary and you try this Georgian wine that has been made in that way. We got to do that in Signaghi, but actually this type of wine is sold all over the country. Georgians love drinking. I have to say, it is such a part of their culture. You, in fact, will be driving, and you'll just see like groups of people on the side of the road sitting at picnic tables, and probably just just drinking all day long. Um, I've been told that this type of wine that they make actually gives you less of a hangover in some cases and some types. Um, but really, if you're gonna drink, <laughs> if you're gonna drink Georgian wine um you should try the saparavi grape which is the most popular grape varietal in georgia so saparavi it's or sorry Saperavi, is the most famous and it is a red wine uh, they also have cha-cha which is a georgian grappa quite strong that will uh that might uh kick <laughs> that might get you off your feet for for a night hard, pretty hardcore um, but that's very popular across the country as well so we spent a day in signagi and then from Signagi, now often you can do a day trip like this and go back to Tbilisi, but we just really wanted to hit the wine country east of Tbilisi, but then we wanted to start going north and then west of Tbilisi. So from Signagi we went over to Kazbegi, which is also known as Stepantsminda. Sminda. It's known currently as Stepantsminda, but a lot of people still use the word Kazbegi and that has to do with the history of the original name of the city and claiming it back and things like that. Kazbegi, I want to say Kazbegi because it's easier to say, but okay, Stepan is three hours north of Tbilisi. So you could do this on a really long day trip if you wanted, but I actually would try not to drive at night in Georgia regardless. So I'd really recommend staying one night, even two nights, if you can, in Kazbegi. We stayed two nights. Uh, in Kazbegi slash Stepan And we went hiking one of the days. We, we hiked up to a monastery. You're going to learn as I go through this itinerary that Georgia has lots of churches and monasteries. It is a very Christian country. And a lot of the things to do are to go and hang out at the monastery, um, get blessed, pray, things like that. So we got to stay. And Kazbegi, when we were there, was actually quite cold, quite rainy. So we luckily got to do about a half-day hike up to the monastery, which is really popular to do there. Also, climbing Mount Kazbegi is another thing people do. We just didn't have time for it, but it is gorgeous. The thing I recommend to do in Step is go to the Rooms Kazbegi Hotel. Now, shout out to Travis and Heather from Extra Pack of Peanuts for this one because they highly recommended staying there or at least going to the breakfast buffet if you can so one of the mornings Balka, Camille and I went over to try this breakfast we were about a five minute walk from the place at a much cheaper hotel that didn't have any any breakfast at all we walked over there and it was like walking into a five-star hotel you know after staying in a hostel it was just like whoa And I think we paid about 15 US dollars a person for this buffet. But I am telling you, there was so much French French food. We had never had such a spread of food the entire time we were in Georgia. There was a lot of traditional food, but also highly focused on French food, like baguettes, croissants. They had honeycomb and like actual honeycombs like dripping off of a plate. They were giving you all the champagne you could drink until they cut you off at noon. You could take the champagne out onto this gorgeous veranda overlooking the mountains. I cannot recommend this breakfast buffet highly enough, and it is completely open to people who are not staying there. So if you wanna be cheap, just go for the breakfast buffet. But if you wanna treat yourself, it's a beautiful hotel. They have also like a hot bath outside. You can just sit in and look out at the mountains. It's gorgeous. I would love to stay there if I went back, but if you're looking to do this on a budget uh, or just you can't get in, go and try to go when there's a great view, I should say, because we got lucky the morning we were there, but we tried to go a second time and the, the, the view was, was nothing. It was foggy, totally clouded over. And we just thought, you know, we've done it. It's not worth going back. So that second morning, we just got on the road. But I recommend this to you listeners. It's so great. So we, then we left Stepanspinda and we went to a place called Mitsketa after that. Now, Mitzkatsa is 30 minutes from Tbilisi. You can actually take a Yandex taxi or an Uber, you know, for half an hour, and it's quite reasonable from Tbilisi out to this village, but it's the, I believe it's the oldest or one of the oldest cities or towns in Georgia, and it's got a lot of monasteries in the region, but it's really relaxing if you're just, you feel like you've been in a capital city for too long, it's so quiet there's a lot of nice restaurants you can take a little riverboat down the the river there and i recommend a cafe there called ada ada it's run by a georgian woman and a um, and a turkish woman so there's a lot of turkish food there right on the river they're so lovely that is a great place to go if you go to Mitsketa on the way we actually love Mitsketa so much and found it so convenient to Tbilisi and so much quieter that our last night before we got back to the capital and returned the car, we stayed there one more night and went to a few places we had loved, including Ada Cafe. So Vizqueta is great, great place to stop off at. We also went to a place called Rabati Fortress, and I think this is in, a, is in the region called Akats. Akatsumi, I will will put it on the website. But Rabati Fortress totally surprised us. It was $2 a person to get in. It didn't feel like it was big on the tourist track, but it's fantastic. There's a big mix of architecture in this fortress, including a Christian church, a mosque, and a synagogue. How often do you see those three things together? Um, But this was amazing. And I cannot recommend Rabati Fortress enough to you. Do it on the way to, um, if you're heading out, west, do it on the way. Um, we actually went there the day after. So, so from Mitsketa, we went out to the cave, this cave city called Vardzia, which is amazing. It feels like it's straight out of a movie. Um, it looked, Part of it looked like Star Wars to me. Part of it looked like Hobbiton. It was, it was actually really interesting. And we went there after Mitsketa, staying in Mitsketa for a night. And then the following day we did Rabati Fortress. Um, from staying in the region of the Rabati fortress called a place called Matvili from Matvili, we headed towards Mestia, which is in Svaneti. Now Svaneti is in the Western part of Georgia and it's, it's, it's its own culture. Really. It, uh, there's such a strong hardy people historically and great fighters and warriors, uh, in the mountains, so Mestia was really interesting. We went to the museum there and we from Mesti, We stayed in Mestia for one night as a way to kind of prep ourselves to drive to the village of Ushkuli the next day. Now Ushkuli is um, the highest settled village in Europe, they say, and it was really a special place. Like it feels completely cut off from the rest of the world really, although we had driven ourselves up there. Uh, the, the roads, I'll talk about the roads in general in a minute, but the roads were passable. Like we did everything ourselves. We never had an accident. We never had a moment when we needed someone else to help us. I will say. So it was accessible, but I would really try to go when it, you know, it's not going to be icy because July, like July felt safe for us, maybe all the way through September, but um, man, things could get rough if it starts to get icy and snowy, and it does there in the winter. This town is like trapped in winter for at least eight months a year. Um, but our time in Ushkuli was really interesting because we found out that there's actually a movie theater in town, which, I mean, I've known much bigger towns to not have movie theaters, but this tiny town has a movie theater because one of its, um, one of its residents who I think now lives in the capital city or one of the major cities in Georgia, she became a film director and she wrote a screenplay about a tradition in her town. Um, I'm not going to go all the way into what this movie is about, but she wrote a script about her her historical town and, and traditions from there, and it ended up getting on the film festival circuit. And she cast a lot of people from Ushkuli, from this town to be in the film. And the funny, one of the funniest stories of our road trip was that we got to Ushkuli and the first place we had booked, we pull up and they say, sorry, we know you booked on Booking.com, but we're full. We don't have any place for you, but we have neighbors who have told us they have a place you can stay and their little boy is going to take you over there. And we're like, okay. And so this this probably like this five-year-old kid, six-year-old maybe, he comes over and he's on a horse. And we're like, huh? And they're like, oh yeah, we're going to take you to this place called Mose's. That's where you're going to stay tonight. If you like it, if you, if he takes you over, you decide to stay, that's where you can stay over. And it's called Mose's. So we're like, wow. So we get in our car and this six-year-old boy is on this horse. He's got a cell phone in one hand and he's kind of holding the mane with the other hand. And he's guiding us along this little town and we're trying to follow him and he's on a horse and at one point like a pony starts following the horse and then he like he drops the phone at one point he like jumps off this horse picks up the phone like probably his parents phone in the mud he's like calling like getting on on the phone again and like going down this trail on the horse and we get to this this place called moses which we figure out is most likely his parents place his parents hotel we have a look around and actually we decide not to stay there I think we didn't know about the wi-fi because for us wi-fi is really important and we just thought maybe there's a place that's a little better located we can find and I don't know we thanked we thanked him for guiding us on his horse actually really funny he, he had parked the horse and we had to walk there was no space on the road and we all had to kind of think about whether we wanted to walk behind this horse and I just like ran forward and just made it, but it was really scary. Like some of us just stayed out there and didn't even try to cross this horse. Cause we were like, this is where things could get really bad in a very remote village if we get injured <laughs> and we get kicked. Um, but the funniest thing was we left Mose's, we went, we had to stay at like, we had to check two other places before we could find a place. So if you go to Ushkuli, please book ahead. It's not the kind of place with the size that it is to like find a place last minute. We realized at dinner, uh that mo like this little boy mo, we found out his name was Mose and the the place his hotel or his place was named after him and he was the main actor in this film that this director had made about her town and this movie theater in the town is showing this movie she made every day, day after day after day at 9pm. And he is the, the star of the film. You know right. how there's always like a little cute kid in the movie. That was him. And he, we met him in person and we didn't know it. You know, so we're just we end up going to see this movie at nine o'clock at night. And you know, you start in on the top floor of this place and you get like, you know, they could served wine or coffee if you wanted it. And then you go into the basement, which is basically a projector. And you have these different little couches. You're like sinking into the wood. Your legs are dangling. And, you know, these seats aren't the most comfortable. But it's so nice to just like go to a movie about the town that you're in. And you can hear above you where you had coffee and wine. Like um, the family has like this family's having a party upstairs. And so you're hearing all this Georgian being spoken above you. And the movie is in Georgian. And there were English subtitles. And after the movie, actually one of the main actors, not Mose, came down and did a Q&A with us. And it was just so cool. It was like this amazing, one of the best experiences we had in Georgia. And I highly recommend this to you as well. If you get all the way to Ushkuli and uh, see if you can find Mose. So after Ushkuli, a lot, actually a lot of people go to Ushkuli to trek, or it's a stop on a long multi-day trek that they would be making. But we just stayed there for two nights. We enjoyed the mountains. We enjoyed some of the local places to have food. And then we we made our way back essentially towards Tbilisi. We stayed uh, one more night in a place called Lenteki, which was for us just a way to start making our way back to Tbilisi on time. And then we stayed in Mitsketa, the little town 30 minutes away from Tbilisi on our way back. So that was kind of that was our road trip and um that, that was our itinerary. We didn't I mean there's no hotels that specifically I can recommend to you. We did a lot of last minute bookings, which actually worked just fine. There's enough places to stay, except for Ushkuli, as I mentioned. I do highly recommend trekking. I would love to go back on my next trip there and do at least a week trekking because um, we saw a lot of people hiking well not a lot but we did see people coming through just for hiking and it's just so beautiful up there also I think this year the trans-caucasian national trail I might have that name wrong I'll, I will fix it in the website that opened as well and that is a really long trail you can take if you do really get into trekking um, that would be a wonderful thing to do while you're there um, if you're not doing this road trip, like I've been mentioning. So um, that is really the majority of the things that I wanted to tell you about Georgia, except for one thing, which I ha- really is the, one of the highlights of the country and something you'll be experiencing every day, and that is the food. So the food in Georgia, I think if you haven't heard about it before, it is known to be good, and as we found, it's also quite reasonably priced. The most famous dish in Georgia is called kinkali, and that is the dumpling. So these have actually been exported to many regions of the world, especially like New York City will have a, you know, has a kinkali place, big cities around the world. You might be able to find kinkali in a special restaurant. Um, The Georgian dumpling is like a twisted knob of dough. And you kind of you hold it by the knob of dough and you eat it upside down and kind of eat it from the sides and suck out the broth of the dumpling as you as you go Uh, a lot of them are filled with different types of meat but also they have mushroom versions or cheese Um, the second most famous dish in Georgia is called kachapuri kachapuri and this is it's like a cheese pizza it really, I actually ordered it all for myself the first day. Don't do that. It is so filling. Imagine ordering your own cheese pizza, but it was like deep dish and it was very filling even for one piece. Totally happened to me. And ever, ever after, ever after my first day, I, I shared with people because it was quite overwhelming on its own. Um, there's a type of kachapuri called a kachapuri, which is topped with a raw egg. And you kind of like pick off sides of the of the cheese stuffed bread which is cacchaputti if i didn't say that already you kind of pick off the bread and dip it in or in this raw egg and kind of move it around get some cheese in there and it's really good Um, and that's a famous type of cacchaputti the lobiani is a bean stuffed bread wasn't my favorite but it tends to be on every menu so just let you know Um, machadi m-c-h-a-d-i is what you'll see on the menu that's a cornbread. Cornbread's very popular in Georgia and also um, it's very good for trekking. It would be good trekking food to like p- pick up some and pack it, you know. Sulguni is the national cheese of Georgia and you will often see that on a menu. Very good. There are also different types of sauces you can get including a sour plum sauce which is called tikmali. I might have that wrong and khali is another type. Um, also there are so my favorite, my favorite dish I discovered on like day two is called shukmaruli. Shukmaruli is chicken, roast chicken cooked in milk and garlic sauce, uh, often baked in a traditional Georgian red clay pot called a ketsi. Oh, the shukmaruli! I mean, every time I saw it, I wanted to order it. It was so good. It just like this chicken melted in your mouth and just the garlic was amazing. You have to try it. If you are in a city that has a Georgian restaurant, it probably has this. Run, don't walk is all I'm saying. I wanna try to make this on my own. I really think that I can once I'm in a place for a little while where I've got a kitchen. Uh, Cause you know, easy enough to find chicken and garlic and milk to put together, but the Georgians just do it fabulously. Huh. All right, and then let's talk a little bit about the desserts so now these aren't really served as desserts usually but you're going to see these two things everywhere the it's they call it the georgian snickers like you'll often see that in quotes next to where this is being sold it's called church kayla and it looks like candles it's a candle shaped candy and it's usually like hanging from you know hanging somewhere uh in the shop and it's basically grape must, nuts, and flour. And you'll have like almonds, walnuts, hazelnuts, chocolate, sometimes raisins. They're threaded onto a string and like the juice hardens like a candle and it looks like a candle. But you just bite it off and you do not eat the string. I don't, you know, maybe it goes without saying, but it's really good and it will stay for like months and months. We did make the mistake of buying Church Kayla in Tbilisi right next to the public baths. Do not do it. We almost went straight to the dentist. It was so hard and it was nasty, but we got at them later outside of Tbilisi and they were very good. And I'm sure there's places in Tbilisi that do much fresher church, Kayla, but just don't, don't go there. Don't go on the most major tourist road and think it's going to be good because it, I think that they shouldn't have even sold it to us. It probably was a decoration in the shop. Uh, it was, it was a, a pretty funny looking back. Um, the other thing that you'll see everywhere besides the church, Kayla, are called tklappi. Now, I'm probably not saying that right. Um, it's basically a Georgian fruit roll-up that comes in. It's like it looks like almost like dried, a dried sheet of leather. So tklapi is like a puree fruit that was like spread thinly on a sheet. It's sun-dried on a clothesline. And yeah, it's like biting into a little fruit roll up and it comes in like kiwi, apple, peach, grape, strawberry. And I bought some of these at the supermarket the day we left uh, on a road trip, but I, I saw them everywhere. And they're like 30 cents, one, larry, one to three lorry in most places on the road. So they're good. I mean, it's, it's not as sweet as fruit roll ups if you're expecting like that sugaryness but they're really healthy, they stay for a long time as well, and they're quite good. Great thing to to bring back, to give to people as a souvenir. So, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've been talking for almost 50 minutes to you. Um, I want now to actually play you a clip of Balka and Camille giving me their reactions to the trip to Georgia. Just a couple of minutes here that they uh, reflect back on it. It was about a month later that I interviewed them. Uh, But yeah, it's I'm so glad that they went with me. I also want to thank Casey for being my backseat friend this whole time. And uh, I I know that we all really enjoyed Georgia and we felt like it was this trip was a great it was a great uh, introduction to the country and i can't wait to go back i'm planning to probably go back next year as i said to do more trekking also to stay even longer in tbilisi because it's such an easy place to stay they have so many airbnbs that are really reasonable even if you're just one person you can probably find something for 20 dollars a night even 15 dollars a night and get your own full apartment for as long as you as long as you want because there's so much supply right now in tbilisi um so I loved the city, I'm glad I decided to go. I think you would really love Georgia as well. The people are very friendly. There's a lot to see, a lot of beautiful landscapes. I didn't even mention Batumi, which is on the west coast of Georgia on the Black Sea. So if you do wanna to go to you know, a shoreline or see, like be on the, it's not the ocean, but to feel like you're at the ocean, um, you can do that also in Georgia. Batumi, we found out that the road between Batumi and essentially just west of Tbilisi was uh, under repair when we were trying to do it. So we didn't end up going to Batumi because of the because of time, but it is a pretty modern looking city. And I think if, I've heard it's kind of boring if you're, you know, deep and um, deeply immersed in the rest of Georgia. It can feel just almost too modern. But if you do want that beach fix, you can get it there. So, I mean, Georgia has so much to offer. I really recommend visiting and uh, I'm going to actually leave you with Balka and Camille here, um, giving their feedback, but I just want to say, I hope you get to go to Georgia and Put it on your list of places to see. It is going to keep growing and growing in popularity. And I really would love to hear what you thought about it on theschooloftravels.com or leave me a comment in a review wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you. And I hope that this helps you with planning your trip to Georgia. So I'm here with Valka and Kimi who joined me for the 10-day road trip across Georgia and I just wanted to get their quick feedback about what they thought about Georgia
1: Uh, so I was the driver for most of it so that was the first thing I really liked driving around the country Um, it was a fun experience it was a bit different in the beginning I had to get used to the crazy Georgian traffic and roads and but um, I had a really good uh, experience driving around Um, what I mainly liked about Georgia was that it was a bit different in many ways so it was Um, it was still one of those countries where like unexpected things happen like when we were picked up by a boy on the horse to (laughs) ride us to the guest house for example Um, and uh, what I also really liked about Georgia was that it was a good mix of Europe Asia the Middle East Russia so it had like elements of all of those and that made it super interesting
2: Um, I would say for me, what I found interesting and um, quite appealing for us is that we're not just travelers, but we're full-time travelers, so as nomads, uh, Georgia is quite welcoming to us, it's one of the few countries where I feel like they are fairly uh, welcoming, and because we can get a one-year visa, and or lack of visa, and um, we can stay there for one up to one year, renewable even I think, So, um, and you can uh, open a bank account easily. So all these things that make um, staying in Georgia and uh, working from there or going there to base yourself as a digital nomad quite easy and appealing um, So there is this convenience. And at the same time, there's also the adventurous side of traveling there. So I feel like you could go to Tbilisi and base yourself there and have a pretty good quality of life. It's affordable. Um, There's some cool co-working spaces uh, that we didn't have much time to check out, but I know we, we saw a few. And then on the flip side, you can, go on weekend trips for instance rent a jeep like we did and suddenly be somewhere that feels very adventurous on dot dot roads um, with lots of potholes and just feel like <laughs> you're <Yeah>. really uh, <laughs> doing adventure travel so i like that there is the, this mix of the convenience and the more fun challenging parts as well i'd say yes. as
0: a woman you also were the other driver be and it was so cool when you would take the wheel because i think there were men we would pass,
2: look it at you going, she's driving. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's. I think it's not really in the Georgian culture so much to have uh, <laughs> the woman as uh, one of the main drivers. But I basically decided to drive sometimes to avoid because you guys were at the back and it was very bouncy and probably not very comfortable sometimes when we were doing off-road, so uh, it was more fun being the driver. Yeah, yeah. So would you guys
0: go back to Georgia?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're already thinking of at least going to Tbilisi for a month to live there, um, base ourselves there and experience the other side because our trip was obviously very quick travel, adventurous, um, whereas I would also like to see more the digital nomad side of Georgia so visit Tbilisi stay there for a month live there go to co-working spaces
2: yeah mm-hmm. and, um join the events and um, be part of the growing community of nomads there. And eat more of the food. Yes, and <laughs> definitely, the food, <laughs> definitely. definitely, although we have to be careful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 we both gained a few kilos while there.
0: So Absolutely. <laughs> but as, as a long-term visit, I think you could join the gym and there definitely were some That's yeah. gyms. Yes. I, I would too, same. That's true. Thank you guys so much, first of all, for coming on the trip with me. It was amazing. I know we were planning it for a few months ahead of time. And then, yeah, I look forward to maybe one day seeing you there again. Hey guys, so one thing I wanted to add after I listened to this interview with Balka and Camille again is that, as Camille mentions, you can go to Georgia, shockingly enough, with no visa and stay for one year. Please double check if your country applies for this, but they changed it a few years ago and so For someone who's wanting to stay in a place for a while and really get to know it, you know, often we have to leave a place after one month or three, sometimes six, but it is the rare country that will let you stay for a year, and Georgia is one of them. So it's a huge benefit for someone looking to do more long-term travel, and also can be mentioned opening a bank account there. And I just wanted to say that I, after returning from the road trip, I stayed in Georgia for another 10 days or so, And in that time, I actually opened a bank account, despite the fact that I was a tourist. They even asked me, are you a tourist? When I went in, I said, yes. And they let me open a bank account. And it took about 30 minutes for me to, you know, sign certain US tax paperwork that needed to be signed and declared. And, you know, give them my cell phone number. I gave them my Georgian cell phone number. And I said, this is gonna change. Um, And I gave them my Airbnb address and I said, uh, you can't send an email there. And they're like, it's OK. It's OK. And they gave me the following day at 3 p.m. My own contactless MasterCard credit card that can be used to access my bank account. This was with TBC Bank. Uh, bank of Georgia is another great place to get a bank account. And I can hold in my account Georgian Lari, U.S. dollars or and euros so I now have this card and anywhere in the world, it's a two percent charge uh, for if I'm getting money out in a foreign country from this account um, and I you know can get interest. The interest rate actually varies depending on how long you hold the money in there. Uh, the last time I looked, it was one point seven percent interest rate up to three point seven if you hold it for 24 months. Um, but, you know, it's really cool. It's now like a backup ATM card for me and uh, I can do online banking. And that is, it was just such a shock to me that they were so welcoming in that way. Of course, I haven't put a lot of money in there. I think I have about $130 in it right now, but it was just amazing I could do something like that on my first visit to Georgia. So it's another thing to keep in mind if you're visiting the country or like we've just said, if you decide to stay for a while. So once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode on the country of Georgia and uh, my experience there on the road trip with my friends um, and i just want to leave with you one final word in the georgian language which is Gamarjaba. and gemarjaba, uh actually you know a lot of times when you greet someone uh, you would say something like good morning but gemarjaba is how georgians greet each other and it actually means i wish you victory so i wish you victory today and I hope that you are victorious in your future efforts to get to Georgia. gamarjaba listeners, and see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. You'd see it all with your head up standing tall, and you'd look back and think it's funny how you spent your time and money in this world. Living in this perfect world.